You're listening to a special Drishti Point podcast. I'm Farah Nazrali and I'm here with Heidi Herdaya. And this is our final interview in the series that we've been doing on the Bhagavad Gita. But I certainly hope not the final interview that we'll do with you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, today our subject is action and what the Bhagavad Gita has to say about action. So maybe we can start off by, um, if you could explain and elaborate what karma is, how we commonly understand it, and how the Bhagavad Gita explains what karma is. Sure. Um, well, just literally translated, karma means action. Um, the way we understand it, if you sort of popularly take the word karma, it's kind of something either good or bad. You know, you talk <laughs> about good karma and bad karma. Everyone's trying to get good karma and avoid mm-hmm. bad karma. Um, so the law of karma um, incorporates the idea of action and its results. Mm-hmm. So as long as I perform any action, then... I, as the doer of action, will create a result of that action. The result of that action then comes back to me as a result. So everyone wants a good result, so everyone wants what they call good karma, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that wheel or that kind of cycle of action, the doing of the action and its results, that whole thing is called karma. Then what's understood is that because we don't just live one lifetime, there's a whole storehouse of karmas that have been accumulated over lifetimes and they're all sitting there like in the archives of a library <laughs> and they can show up at any time also. So a person is also living the results of their previous, previous karmas that they performed in previous lifetimes. And this would explain why sometimes bad things may happen or good things may happen that don't seem to, we don't seem to be able to correlate to experiences that we've had in our yeah that's right so um and the 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 hindu philosophy is very much based on that whole idea of karma so you've got lots of people who are either thinking that they're working off their karmas from previous lifetimes and waiting until their karmas fructify so that they can do the work of (laughs) self-realization so you can use it in a lot of ways to justify a lot of things Mm -hmm. but in um, the general definition of karma is action, and the law of karma refers to the um, performance of action and the receiving of its results, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, what does um, Krishna say about the right kind of action, or um, how does he talk about karma in the Bhagavad Gita? Yes. Yeah, so, the action is a big theme in the Gita because of Arjun's situation. He finds himself in a war and he's Mm -hmm. got to fight. So he has to actually take action Mm -hmm. or do action and he doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. So, so it's a, he's got a big, um, kind of tussle going on in himself with not wanting to perform the action that is actually, um, prescribed for him to do. Mm -hmm. So which we all face at different times in our life, right? Things that you wish you didn't have to do, but sort of need to be done, um, which brings up the entire question of acting in general um, versus knowledge. So you've got Krishna who's given Arjun a whole teaching in chapter 2 about the nature of the self, being pure, free, 
forever, uninvolved, having nothing to do with the results of any actions, free from birth, free from death. Mm-hmm. So beginning, so we would say that would be beyond karma. That would be beyond karma. That's exactly right. So, and he's telling Arjun, this is who you actually are in identity. Mm-hmm. So you, you in identity are free from that law of karma, which actually exists in what we would call prakriti or the field of nature. Mm-hmm. So the field of nature is governed by natural laws, but what we call the self or atma or brahm or self-realization is actually free even from being governed by those natural laws. It's supernatural. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's our battlefield, right? Here in your own nervous system, you've got all of that which is governed by natural laws in the field of action, breathing, seeing, the, the functioning of the senses, um, thinking, all of that falls in the field of action. Mm-hmm. And then there's you, who you really are, who is the self, the, the real identity of your own, which is free from all action and its results. So that knowledge of yourself immediately burns and frees you from all so-called past karmas and all so-called present karmas and the entire confusion surrounding action in general. And that includes, so I'll just go on to say that Arjun's state of mind is indecisive Mm -hmm. and confused. So he can't act clearly because of that indecision and confusion that is related to his indecision about who he is. Mm -hmm. So when we know ourselves, the, the true nature of ourselves, then there's there isn't confusion and does this mean um, that we still act in the world but we probably do so in a different way that's exactly right so uh, normally a person's whole field of action has got indecision confusion and fear in it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because your Um, confined to the natural laws of action and their results you're always afraid about the results of your action Mm -hmm. right and hope and fear go together so you're hoping for a good result and afraid for a bad result Mm -hmm. so that's always going to cloud the way you do action so what would it look what kind of action or with what um, um what would it look like for a, a person mm-hmm. who's realized or that they are beyond that field mm-hmm. to do action mm-hmm. without hope and fear? That's right. Well, it may look just the same, mm-hmm. right? You may see a person, I mean, if Arjun's going to fight the war, no one's going to know what his state of mind is fighting except that there will be more clarity and decisiveness about his action. Mm-hmm. So freedom from fear is a big component of being able to act freely. Mm-hmm. And f- and fear is always related to the fear of death. Right. And since fear of death doesn't exist for the self, because the self is beyond death, that which you are doesn't die. If you truly, truly know yourself as that in identification, then all action is performed in the light of oneness and not in the light of duality. 
in the light of freedom, in the light of wisdom, and with the clarity of the self. Normally, the way action works is it's a movement from the mind, right? By the time the body's acting, it's already gone from the source of action, which is unseen and free from the actual movement itself, through the mind, through what we call vritti, which is movement in the mind or thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Then your thought manifests through your body and your senses to create activity. Mm -hmm. So if your thought is indecisive, your action is going to be indecisive. The result of your action is going to be indecisive. That indecision comes back to you, <laughs> and you just keep perpetuating that cycle of indecision. So if you're, um, if you, um, in a state of realization, the type of movements and actions would always be ones that would express oneness and non-duality yes you would also not so what krishna is saying to arjun is act without being attached to the results of your actions that's that's what it would look like for a realized being to act mm -hmm. there's no attachment to the result mm -hmm. there's no result that's going to make you bigger or smaller mm -hmm. and there's nothing that can happen that will actually truly make you disappear or die so, for example, um, you you would, for example, love someone not expecting to be loved back or not expecting anything in return, but just because it would be a natural expression of understanding what it means non-duality. That's right. So, what what Ar Arjun is learning is the unfoldment of the state of oneness as against the state of duality. Karma belongs to the field of duality. Mm -hmm. Typically, in a lot of spiritual disciplines, because of that, the idea of action has been shunned. Mm -hmm. Right? So, um, people who take up disciplines, mm -hmm. any kind of spiritual discipline, all often avoid um, action in the world, mm -hmm. right? Um, because it looks as if they have more time and more space to devote to their spiritual practice as if action is something that's against it mm -hmm. or keeping them away from God. Mm -hmm. So Vyas, our writer, is very brilliant because he just brought that right up in, Krish in Krishna and Arjun's situation to let people know that it's got nothing to do with avoidance of action. Rather, Arjun is having to act. Mm -hmm. So the problem isn't acting with your body. The problem is what's going on in your thinking. Mm -hmm. And if your thinking is confused, and if you don't understand that all action comes from an unmoved source, and that's you, and that no result can actually affect you, mm -hmm. then you're free from the results. So there is a way of acting where you're free from the attachment to the results of your actions. This creates in you a sense of lightness, and freedom mm -hmm. and unity while acting which includes what you were saying before loving interacting all of that falls in the field and the category of action but it's a shift of the platform of your eye mm -hmm. yeah so um i'll read you a verse where uh, krishna is is talking to arjuna about non-doership which means acting without the sense of being the one doing the action and being mm -hmm. bound by the results. So 
He says, The yogi who performs action with his mind absorbed in the state of pure existence, the self, freedom, or Krishna, is a Sankhya yogi, one who keeps God at heart while acting. He is considered to be not doing anything. He knows that his self or I, God or Krishna, dwells in the body, and his body performs all actions, not his mind or his me, because his mind or me has given up the idea or sense of doership. Absorbed in me, he remains happy and lives his life performing actions because he knows that God is the source at the back of any performance. That's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful verse. And I think it, it indicates the whole thing. Because if you act knowing who's acting, mm -hmm. who's inspiring the movement of your body and your mind, then you're keeping, as he says, God in your heart. Mm -hmm. So what ha often happens through action is that the source is actually forgotten mm -hmm. or covered through the actual movement of the body and the movement of the mind. So practice, which is action, has to be of retaining the knowledge of the source or the memory of the source or the spirit of the source mm -hmm. in everything that you do. Then you're not doing, which is what Krishna keeps saying to Arjun, you're not fighting this war, Arjun, mm -hmm. right? Give it to me, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But by I, he doesn't mean my body's going to fight the war. I'm the source. I'm the representative of the unseen source. Let the source do it all. Mm -hmm. So through fear, through resistance, through misunderstanding about the source and division, a person thinks, I'm doing everything, and there is no source. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the root of all misunderstanding, confusion, and difficulty in the field of action. So that would um, release a tremendous burden that people feel in their lives. Exactly. To um, surrender the fruit of their action and the doership. That's right. And suppose someone hasn't had the direct experience of their self, then one practice that could be done would be to not um, be attached to the action that that would be something that would that would uh, help cultivate in the heart or in cultivate the sense of non-doership yeah and um, we talked in our first interview about surrender mm -hmm. and so this would be a perfect place to bring in that that technique or that spirit of surrender because once you understand that the mind on its own can't know the results of the actions, mm -hmm. it's not designed to know the result. It doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. So you can't actually act saying, I know for sure that I'm going to get the result that I hope for. Mm -hmm. And that not knowing for sure is what creates less power and clarity in our actions. Mm -hmm. But there is a being that knows for sure whether the result is favorable or unfavorable. So to offer the results of your actions as well as your action itself, as well as your sense of I performing the action to the source mm -hmm. will make you freer.
from the attachment to the result so you can just perform the action. So, and people could substitute whatever word in terms of source, whether it's God or of whether course, it's their exactly. angel or whether it's any any they... any form of higher power mm-hmm. that a that is a, a person is comfortable with. It doesn't matter because whatever concept or form you have that works for you, it's your belief in it that's working for you. Mm-hmm. So that's your spirit of 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 devotion and surrender and that allows you as an individual sense of do- of doership to join with the source which you've otherwise been somehow divided or cut off from and mm-hmm. however that works in anyone's life that's what we want and that technique is what uh, Krishna calls yoga karma sukashalam which is do less and produce more do less means you don't have to um, perform as much action to try and get a result right you will you will act more efficiently mm-hmm. more clearly more fearlessly um, when you are united with the source also because you're open to that source it's sort of like the voice of the source is telling you how to move mm-hmm. and everyone's had an, had experiences of that where you feel as if it's not really you who's made the decision to go here or there or do this or that it's sort of coming to you from what we say is beyond, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So being open to that voice, which we call beyond or beyond the mind or mm-hmm. the source of the mind, you're allowing Krishna to guide your chariot, which is your own body and your own mind. So a big element of non-doership is allowing the sense of whatever is higher for you to guide you in your actions. Yes. Yeah. And, and remaining open to that, so which is the opposite of resisting it, which we see a lot. The mind is made of resistance. <laughs> you know, it resists change, it resists the idea of a higher power. Mm-hmm. It's made of, resi- and resistance is fear, mm-hmm. and fear is division. So if you can recognize the sense of resistance when it arises, and then offer it to your higher power, mm-hmm. you have removed the the resistance to, which is like that umbrella to the grace mm-hmm. you you've removed that so that the flow of that higher power can actually use your own body and mind as its own mm-hmm. but you've already assumed the sense of doership already assumes i'm separate from that higher power mm-hmm. and i'm independent so i as an independent separate being am going to think and act and do and we think that. We think that every thought that comes in my head, I'm independently producing. And mm-hmm. everything I do in my life, I'm independently doing. Mm-hmm. And no breath can even come in your body without that power offering that breath to you. So all it asks in return is that we remember and sanction that. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a flow of the higher power and you as its instrument. Mm-hmm. So it will kind of be, um, then I suppose life would have a, a quality of, like you said, flow and maybe a bit of a dance. That's right. In the sense of uh, how maybe a dancer would feel moved by the music, then we would feel moved by life from the source. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly right. So it's kind of like 
when you see the wind blowing in, in the trees and you see the branches of the trees waving in the wind, you never think that the branches are independently thinking, now I'm going to move to the right and now I'm going to move to the left. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're bending with the wind. Mm-hmm. So don't, not to fear that higher power. You know, there, there's, Krishna loves Arjuna. Mm-hmm. And that higher power loves its own creation. It's supporting its own creation. Mm-hmm. It's guiding its own creation, even when the mind doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that uh, that seems to um, say that, you know, speak of a non-judgmental sort of uh, love. That's right. That's a non and an uh, unconditional. It's an unconditional love. It's it's unconditional love, which is based on the sense of oneness. It's the way a mother loves her children, no matter what they do or how they look or anything about them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can a mother cannot not love her children. Mm-hmm. She cannot say they're not me. Mm-hmm. She cannot say they didn't come from me. They did. Mm-hmm. So that unconditional acceptance, if you can think that that's even greater in that higher power for its own being. And and that's what I find one of the most special and beautiful things in the Gita, is the love that Arjuna has for Krishna and Krishna has for Arjuna. Mm-hmm. And that love is at the basis of their dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that love is at the basis of the action that Arjuna is about to take, it's his faith in Krishna Mm -hmm. that allows him to take up an action that he is resisting doing. Mm -hmm. So how it might show up in our life is we wouldn't resist what shows up. Yeah. Um, Whether it's housework or whether it's someone in a relationship Mm -hmm. or whether it's administrative things, Mm -hmm. that we would not resist that, but or you may notice the resistance mm-hmm. and then use that as your practice where you offer it into the fire of that higher power. So even if even if it does show, because as long as the waking state mind is functioning, mm-hmm. it, it's going to show resistance mm-hmm. in some way or another. But you as the self who is the witness of that can watch and know it. And the one who's watching and knowing it isn't involved with the resistance. So from both sides, you know, the one who's witnessing whatever resistance to change or um, or unlikability there is, and the one who's offering to that higher power, either way, the point is to transcend and break the, divi- the illusory division that exists to, to make it seem as if Arjuna is separate from Krishna. Mm-hmm. And Krishna keeps saying to Arjuna in so many ways, you know, offer your mind to me, offer your self to me, offer your actions to me. I'm that's what I'm here for. I'm free. I'm your free self. Just mm-hmm. offer it to me. This is where it's supposed to go, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Um. So. I I I forgot what I was going to say. Well, I would just say one mm-hmm. more thing to that is that. Everything that we're discussing will, um, each time you become f- free from the sense that I am a separate, independent doer, you have broken the entire wheel of karma. So it's not like you've got to wait thousands of incarnations. 
you know, to go through and work through all of your karmas, good and bad, before you get to a result which is going to be self-realization. That too is a mental construction mm-hmm. that is in the field of time and says your karma's had a beginning and now you've got a process you have to go through and there's going to be a destination a long time in the future when you're deserving enough and then you'll get to be free. It's not like that. The minute you recognize who it is that's really doing and through whatever means we've discussed, you have become free from the entire field of karma. And probably the more you do that, the bigger that freedom Maybe in the beginning it's drops or mm-hmm. um, and then gaps between that experience, but at a certain point that would be the entire experience, complete freedom. And even if it feels like you're practicing it only mentally mm-hmm. or intellectually and you're thinking, what am I doing? Like, I don't really believe in this. I don't really know if it's true. You can know for sure it is true. Mm-hmm. So you're practicing what's true, even mm-hmm. if it's mental and intellectual. And eventually that will be cut. You will get the grace of that and that will become your ex- your direct experience, more so than your experience of division and fear. So it's uh, what I'm also understanding is it may not look different on the outside, but on the inside it's a complete shift. Correct. Correct. It's a complete shift of, I would call it the location of your eye. So if, if the location of your eye is just a body and a mind, then you are subject to all the laws of prakriti or nature, mm-hmm. and you're governed by them. That's called karma. Mm-hmm. Then you believe that you're a bo- only a body who's born and going to die, and everything that happens in between birth and death belongs to you as a doer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. However, when you don't accept that you're just a body born, but that you exist prior to the birth of the body as the pure, free, and forever I that you are, and that that is not lost even if it appears to be covered. Mm -hmm. Then what you're practicing is your true nature. And eventually, even if it's not realized, that practice will become realized. That's right. So your practice is action, Mm -hmm. right? you, You actually have to cut iron with iron. You have to cut the action that starts from I am born and accepts all of the attributes and modifications and coverings and conditions and modifications that have come after birth, I have to cut through the belief in that, the apparent reality of that, which is actually not true. So there I have to actually use a different kind of action. That's called practice. Mm -hmm. That's called what we call sadhana. Your sadhana becomes the the iron cuts the iron, right? The the very same eye which says, I am a body born and doing action as a doer, that same eye now says no, counteracts that position of the eye and says, No, I'm not a body born. Just. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just performing action and getting their results. I am free from all of this. So I have to practice the opposite of what nature keeps telling me. Mm -hmm. And in that, which is what Krishna is telling Arjuna to do, right? he keeps saying, this is who you are. You're free from birth, you're free from death. You are eternal, unborn, undying. So are all the people that you're fighting. So who, who are you to decide what the result is? 
when it's already so much bigger than your individual I. Mm -hmm. It's very liberating knowledge and that's the, the point of it, mm -hmm. is to liberate the individual sense from its um, sense of being confined only to the laws of nature. So this, this knowledge of who you are liberates you from the sense of doership which starts with the sense, I am just a born body going to die. Mm -hmm. And it's just practicing that wisdom as we act that's right over and over and that's our sadhana or practice so you're bringing the the spirit of that free self that you are into your actions that's different from thinking oh my god this action might bind me mm -hmm. oh my god this action is going to bring me happiness as a body mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. like you said your action becomes a dance mm -hmm. because there's actually no result mm -hmm. that can act truly affect you mm -hmm. So if you can imagine that freedom from the fear and the resistance to the idea of a negative result and then acting, mm -hmm. how, how incredibly free it would be, yes. you know, and clear and, and boundless and how much possibility is there. And, and this is what Krishna is trying to bring Arjun to. Now act, act, but change the position of your eye. Mm -hmm. Understand that there is a source of all your action and don't forget that source while you're acting. And that would probably also, in addition to changing the field of the eye, would also maybe change the orient orientation of some actions. Absolutely, because it's like a frequency. You know, if, you're, if your frequency is fear, resistance, confusion, <laughs> scarcity, <laughs> scarcity, all those things, right? Whatever, you, because thought is also an action. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they say there's three ways that you can create karma, manana, vachana, and kamana. So um, kamana is, is with your body that you actually perform actions. Um, manana is with your mind. Mm -hmm. So with your, with your, with your thinking, you create a vibrational field that then attracts to it the like vibrations. So mm -hmm. if you're constantly putting out fear, you're going to wonder why your life is full of the confirmation of your fear. Mm -hmm. Right? And then the other one is speech. And this is an important one that people don't necessarily recognize. Right? Is that once you have spoken words of division or words that, that are ignorant, mm -hmm. you've created karma through your speech. That's why Krishna keeps telling Arjun, learn to pause before you act. The pause is your power. So pause before you speak, which many people don't do, right? If you can just take that pause, that breath, that moment or second or millisecond of watchfulness, then you can use your discrimination to decide is what I'm going to say life-supporting or not? Mm -hmm. Once I've made that decision, I may decide not to say the thought that's in my head. Mm -hmm. And the more we apply that watchfulness and that pause to connect with however we define that source, yes, then uh, we can be sure that when we do connect, that the 
the result will be an expression of the source. Exactly. Exactly. So you benefit on all levels. That's your Yoga Karma Sukhashalam. Because if I don't say that thing that's going to create harm and hurt, that's ahimsa, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's actually the root of ahimsa, is to know the self in all beings. If I know that you're the exact same self as me, why would I want to cut you and kill you and harm you? Mm -hmm. and, why w and why would I want to insult you or offend you? Mm -hmm. So then, because life is one, I will use my words to lift the life, to enhance the life, to celebrate the life, to worship the life. That's the meaning of Namaste. I bow down to the life in you. Mm -hmm. So I'll watch that the speech that I create is, is, is actually creating an atmosphere, a space of, of worship, of upliftment, and of support of the life. Mm -hmm. And my pause is what's going to allow me to do that. Yeah. Maybe. Um, would you like to sing some verses or... Um... Sure. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy to. I'll just... Um, I'll end with singing some verses from chapter 12, which is the chapter on devotion. And um, it seems like we started with surrender. And mm -hmm. so we can uh, end with the same sense of surrender and devotion, which is really the, the love of Krishna, the unconditional love of Krishna and Arjun and the source for itself in all forms. Evam satate yukta yehi Bhaktastvam pariupasate Ye chapyaksharam avyaktam Desham ke yoga vittamaha Shri Bhagavan Uvaj Mahiya Veshamano Yehiman Nitya Yuktaha Upasate Shraddhaya Pariopetaste Me Yuktatama Mataha Ye Twaksharam Niradesham Avyatam Pariupasate Sarvatragamma chintyamcha kutastam machalam dhruvam. Sanyam yehindriya grahamam sarvatra samabuddhayaha te prapnuvanti mameva sarvabhuta hiterataha. Klesho adhikarate stasham Avyakta sakta chetasam Avyakta higatirdukam Dehavadhiravapyate Yetu sarvani karmahani Mai sanyasya matparaha Ananye naiva yogena Mamdhyayanta upasate Deshamaham samudharata Mrityu sansara sahagarat 
about the meaning of what you were singing? Well, I just would like to first thank you for beautiful opportunity to sit and chat with you for these four sessions and to send love and oneness to everyone who's been listening. And that's the essence of the verses, is that sense of oneness which is at the source of all dualism which pervades all, which permeates all and yet is totally uninvolved and watching its own creation at the same time and that's who we are that is Krishna's knowledge and the possibility of the realization of that is available to each and every one of us so I just want to celebrate that possibility um, and say that it is with that spirit that we all act in the world, that we all do our practice, um, keeping the knowledge of the source in our hearts and in our practice, pervading everything that we do. And that is the possibility and the potential that exists in every single being that in the Arjuna and the Krishna that we all are, right? We all embody both Arjuna and Krishna, that in the embodiment of that, the potential for the total realization of Krishna consciousness is in every single one of us. No one should ever give up, and no one should ever lose hope, and everyone should know that there's nothing but Krishna, even in what appears to be the darkness, and even in what appears to be the hopelessness and the despair that comes in the mind even that has to have a source so even what we call ignorance has its source in the light of the self so don't forget that and just keep that spirit alive in your heart and in your life thank you thank you so much